Month after month, do you keep revisiting your budget, planning how you're going to allocate your money, feeling confident that your budget is going to pan out this time because you're bringing in enough money to follow it, all to be disappointed by the end of the month or even before because no matter how much energy you devote to planning, you're still spending way over budget. And even though you're avoidant of the truth, deep down, you know it's because of your impulsive emotional spending habits. I got you, boo. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. I'm here to give you the harsh truth that following a budget is only going to get you so far because following a budget is a process of the mind. But your impulsive and emotional spending is a process and maladaptive response of the body to trauma. And the body runs 95% of the show. And if you're a biological female, your nervous system adapts to trauma based on the safety your vulva detects in your environment. This episode is going to be informative, juicy, and let's be honest, probably a little bit triggering. But if you have a deep desire for purposeful, sustainable, and ethical wealth, you're in the right place. You are listening to The Wealth Witch Podcast. Hey there, boo. I see you. I hear you. I feel you. You're invited to join me, Amber, your host on a journey of transmuting your witch wounds into wealth. I'm so fulfilled by sharing conversations that initiate you to release judgment and deepen your connection with pleasure and passion. With this podcast, you will find inspiration to awaken the magic of your desires, embody integrity as you expand into leadership, and manifest purposeful and ethical wealth in all of its forms. We are going to talk about the energetics of all things money, menstruation, and manifestation. Because your ability to receive and accept money is manifested in your relationship with worth and value. So if you're a witchy woman excited to enrich your life with wealth, womb wisdom, and woo-woo shit, then you've been divinely guided to let go of the distractions that are stopping you from embracing a life of intoxicating abundance. Stick around, boo. Are you ready to awaken the wealthy witch within you? Hello, witchy soul. Welcome back to another episode of the Wealth Witch Podcast. My name is Amber and I am your host as you transmute your witch wounds into wealth. And I am super fucking excited about this episode. I have been waiting for the day to record it. I've been you know, planning it for a couple of weeks. One of the ways that I have been conserving my energy and being able to expand upon and extend my energy is to plan a little bit more effectively and to allow ideas to percolate in my system, kind of gestate, um, instead of like impulsively recording them. So this one I've had in my list for like five weeks now as I've been planning my episodes that are coming up. 
and I'm excited to share it with you. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the connection between female disempowerment and money symptoms. I'm going to start off by sharing with you my story, my experience with emotional and impulsive spending, and we'll talk more about uh, practically the connection between female disempowerment and money symptoms, and I will dive into redefining trauma or even just defining trauma if this is a new concept for you, talk a little about trauma healing and how you can overcome these money symptoms at a tolerable and sustainable pace so that you can begin to manifest sustainable, purposeful, and ethical wealth. And we'll talk about the signs of healing. So for as long as I can remember, ever since I was young enough to, or ever since that I came to the age that I could actually start having money, so probably somewhere around the age of six is that I can recall the earliest. For as long as I can remember, I was an impulse shopper. I have vivid memories of my grandfather gifting me money multiple times throughout my childhood, and he would very gently (laughs) scold me into saving my money instead of spending it. My grandfather was an avid saver. He worked really hard as an engineer throughout most of his life and worked really hard while saving his money um, in order so that he could thrive in retirement. So he really valued saving money. Too bad I didn't pick up on that too much. (laughs) I didn't listen to him because I would always find things to spend money on. Like, and I say that intentionally, I would find things to spend money on. I would go out and seek things to spend money on, whether that be candy, because remember, this is all starting from when I was a young girl, right? So whether that be candy or like stationary supplies, I was such, and actually still am, I am obsessed with stationary supplies. I love a good gel pen, okay? I do. I'd find, you know, various little trinkets at the dollar store that I just had to have or clothes as I got older. I loved clothes. And until last year, this never changed for me. I've always spent money as fast as I could earn it. And when I got my first job in high school, I would spend my paychecks almost on the first day that I got them or within the first couple of days as I was receiving them. And I made pretty good money when I was in high school. I, for a period of time, I was working probably about 25 hours a week when I was in high school. I was a pretty good student. I didn't have to put a lot of energy towards my schoolwork. I seemed to just acquire things pretty simply, except for math. Don't even get me started on math, but maybe it's a number. It's definitely a numbers thing. Um, but anyways, I, I was pretty good at school, so I didn't have to devote a lot of my energy to my academics, which meant that I could free up a lot of time for working on a part-time job, which definitely supported my spending habits and my desire to spend money. And when I was 18 or 19, I can't remember exactly, but somewhere between 18 and 19, I got my first credit card. And that was a complete recipe for disaster because it meant I could spend money faster than I could earn it instead of just as fast. And yeah, that created a lot of problems for me and spiraled pretty damn fast. I was raised to have a healthy work ethic. My mom worked four jobs when there was a period of time when my mom was working four jobs when I was growing up 
not the whole time when I was growing up, but I cannot remember a time when my mom didn't work at least two jobs when I was growing up. And my dad was a roofer, so he worked in the trades, and he worked from sunup to sundown because he worked outside. So in the wintertime, that meant that he was working less, but in the summertime, like, he was literally gone for, like, 16 hours a day. Both my parents are generators by human design, so they had a lot of energy that they could put towards um, working, uh, which definitely influenced me. Uh, even though I'm a projector by human design and I thought that that was the norm, that you were supposed to have this strong work ethic, work, 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 work. I grew up watching my mom be an avid budgeter. Actually, it'd probably be more accurate to call her an obsessive budgeter. Literally counting down her money down to the penny. And I say that literally because often or throughout most of my childhood at least one of those jobs that my mom had when I was growing up was working as a server so working in restaurants bars and she would come home with physical money all the time so literally counting down to the penny because remember this is like it 20 years ago so we still had a penny in Canada literally counting down the penny and looking to stretch every dollar that she had counterly I watched my dad have the mentality of okay need more money I'll just go out and work some more because that was accessible to him you know he got to choose how much he wanted to work whether he wanted to work up from sun up to sundown um and the more he worked the more money that he made and so I watched my parents have these two attitudes towards money and their work ethic and I somehow became a blend of this, a synthesis of this. So that's what I did. This is how I behaved as I started off in early adulthood. Until a few years go by and I find myself in nearly $100,000 in debt, excluding my mortgage, finding myself nearly $100,000 in debt and working 70 hours a week to pay for it. And it didn't matter how much I budgeted because I always overspent. And now that I know what I know about trauma and resilience, I've made the connection between female disempowerment and money symptoms. Money symptoms that most people would probably call money problems. So money symptoms that really disguise themselves as money problems. But the reality is you don't have money problems, you have money symptoms. And I want to point out that I acknowledge and recognize that money symptoms are not a female-focused issue, but there is a strong connection between female disempowerment or trauma that females specifically experience and money symptoms. I fully acknowledge that this is also a problem for men, but I'm not really educated. <laughs> I'm not educated about, about how my area of expertise manifests in men. I don't fully understand the male autonomic autonomic nervous system like I do the female autonomic nervous system, probably because it's due to my own um, sexual trauma from childhood that I I was became fascinated with the female autonomic nervous system. So I'm blissfully ignorant as to how this manifests in men, but I fully recognize that it's it's a problem for men too. But money symptoms manifest differently in females than how they do in males. And this 
does have to do with the way the female autonomic nervous system adapts to traumagenic conditions. Now, if you've never heard the word traumagenic before, it's slightly different from traumatic. Traumagenic implies that there's a potential for trauma, whereas traumatic implies the receiver of that experience did in fact experience trauma. And this all has to do with the fact that females have a vulva and the vulva is a mediator of consciousness. The vulva is the receiving dock for bodily intelligence. So what happens here is that there is a brain nervous system vulva feedback loop. So the vulva communicates the safety of your environment as a female. So the vulva is a major energy exit and entry point to the body and it's constantly discerning the safety of your environment and communicating that to your brain via the nervous system. And then the brain tells you, I am safe or I am not. And it's this constant feedback loop and it ultimately informs your intuition. Now, because the vulva is a major energy exit and entry point of the body, and because it is rooted in feminine energy, it is inherently yin. It's got a strong yin receiving energy associated with it. And that makes it vulnerable to trauma or abuse or stress. So to get a little bit more clear on that, let's define what is trauma. So Judith Herman describes trauma as any event that overwhelms the ordinary human adaptations of life. Peter Levine describes it as when your ability to say yes or no becomes blocked. The natural and healthy rhythm to integrate and experience, find resolution and completion is not possible. It's system overload. And when resolution doesn't occur, the body starts to loop continuously and seek resolution until it happens. I would summarize these two definitions as when your body is pressured out of its natural rhythmic integrity because your free agency for choice is thwarted. And I want to read you a couple of passages from one of the books that has deeply inspired my work and my coaching practice. And it's from the book called Vagina by Naomi Wolf. And this is from page 93. And it's talking about the vulnerability of the vulva to uh, trauma, abuse, and stress. So on page 93, it says, if your goal is to break a woman psychologically, it is efficient to do violence to her vagina. You will break her faster and more thoroughly than if you simply beat her because of the vulnerability of the vagina as a mediator of consciousness. Trauma to the vagina imprints deeply on the female brain, conditioning and influencing the rest of her body and mind. Think about the wars that have been fought on women. Think about the climate of reproductive health care in the United States right now about abortion laws being changed. And think about wars that have been fought against women in places like Africa, where soldiers have literally been instructed to mutilate women's vulvas because 
there is a deep understanding in our patriarchal society, whether it is conscious or not, there is a deep level of understanding that if you want to break a woman, it is to do so by inflicting violence to her vulva. And I want to read you this next passage, um, also from Vagina, on page 99, where Naomi Wolf continues to describe that, in other words, when you rape a woman, and perhaps also when you rape a man, although the data here is based on female victims, or if you sexually abuse her in childhood, you may be repatterning her body, possibly for the rest of her life, in ways that embed fear more easily triggered stress responses, and attendant risk aversion into the very neural fabric of her responses to the world. And that, as we will see, the case of the changes in the hippocampus may even interrupt her ability to process recent memories in a way that might strengthen her ongoing sense of self. In summary... When you attack the vulva both physically or verbally, you are directly attacking a woman's life force energy. You're attacking her confidence. You're attacking her sense of identity. You're attacking her sense of creativity. You're attacking her sense of womanhood and her worthiness and her value. And this disconnects her from her source of intuition because the vulva is her receiving dock for bodily intelligence because her ability to feel desire and pleasure are reduced or inhibited and unfortunately myself included many women will begin to experience this kind of treatment in early childhood 40 percent of children experience sexual violence I didn't look up the statistic of what it is for for young girls specifically, but that is an unfortunate number no matter what the sex of the child is. 40% of children will experience sexual violence. That is heartbreaking. So from a young age, women are already being disconnected from their source of personal power. And if you have childhood trauma, whether it be sexual or not, childhood developmental wounds lead to develop certain character strategies that are linked to somatic tension patterns. I talked about that um, a couple episodes back if you want to expand on that topic a little bit more about character strategies. But to somatic tension patterns, meaning that your body is going to maintain that tension in the trunk of your body. So from your crown all the way to your pelvic floor, your body holds onto those wounds in the form of tension. These somatic tension patterns manifest and show themselves, reveal themselves in, in your posture by either overreaching for energy or closing off for energy. And you can see that by people that either are chronically hunched over into their bodies or people that have an overinflated sense of posture, looking more like a sense of arrogance. These somatic tension patterns shape your behaviors. They shape your posture and they shape your identity. And there's a connection and a relationship with money in this devaluation of self-worth and self-value that women are subject to from as early as childhood. And money is a representation of value. 
So when a woman's relationship with value is overridden by trauma, it will manifest in her relationship with money. And this can look like chronic overspending, impulsive or compulsive spending, emotional spending or binge spending, or rarely or never energetically and financially investing in what truly increases her value. So in other words, holding on to money for dear life and having a deep fear of putting money into yourself to increase your sense of self-value. These are all examples of something called trauma recapitulation. And trauma recapitulation, a simple way to describe it is going to the hardware store for milk over and over again, going to a store that doesn't sell what you're actually looking for. It's going to unsafe places, trying to make them safe. And this trauma is stemming from childhood sexual abuse, but it's also stemming from messages from society about female value and worth. The messages that we send to women as early as childhood about the value of women, the role that they play in the world. It stems from emotional immaturity. And emotional immaturity occurs when you've been taught to be an emotional gatekeeper, to keep, to hide your emotions, to deny your emotions, or you haven't been given tools how to effectively regulate your emotions, and therefore your emotions feel unsafe. And emotions are energy in motion. And if you don't allow your emotions to effectively move throughout the body, it's going to manifest as energy blocks in the body. So if you've got things like chronic overspending, impulsive spending, emotional spending, etc., if you've if you're experiencing those money symptoms, I would guarantee that you have some level of emotional immaturity and you have energy blockages inside your body and you have some sort of a disconnected relationship with your own sense of worth and value. So then what happens is you begin to seek tools outside of yourself because you haven't been taught how to cultivate the tools within yourself. You seek the tools outside of yourself to regulate your emotions and superficially inflate your sense of self-worth. That's the cocktail that happens when you have a devaluation of self-worth and value and haven't been taught how to regulate your emotions or have been taught how to be an emotional gatekeeper leading to emotional immaturity. That's the connection. So your body has been pressured out of its natural rhythmic integrity because your free agency for choice has been thwarted. And so you keep going back to the hardware store for milk. You keep trying to give your body a different choice, which is expressing itself in your relationship with money. You give your body the different choice to express its big emotions, express its emotional energy through the movement of spending money while simultaneously superficially inflating your sense of self-worth because your value and worth has been overridden by trauma. So you find yourself stuck in that undigested, unintegrated, untransformed state because your body's natural rhythm has been disrupted and all your body is trying to do is seek resolution or completion of that thwarted choice but the only way it's learned how to do that is to respond in the way you did during that traumatic instance by either 
holding in, holding in your emotions or being the subject of devaluation, but that isn't working. And you're finding yourself going more and more into debt or continuously experiencing these money symptoms that are wreaking havoc in your life. And it's creating an ongoing sense of trauma, traumagenic conditions. So in order to heal from this trauma, you need to give your body the choice to integrate a new experience. In order to integrate anything, you have to move towards it. Integration is digestion and digestion requires discernment, choice. You have to create safety in the new choice. You're trying to create safety in the choice of spending the money. And right now that probably feels safe to you, but you're recognizing that that response is inappropriate with your reality. And you need to create new neural pathways for your body to take. You need to create new movement patterns, new somatic patterns for your body to take. So how do you do that? How do you start to heal your relationship with money? How do you start to cultivate safety in your vulva? You need to reconnect with your sensory knowing. The solution lies in reconnecting with your sensory knowing at a tolerable pace. Your body is intelligent. Your intuition is your bodily intelligence. But because the power of your vulva, the intelligence, the receiving dock energy of your vulva has been overridden by trauma, you've been disconnected from the sensory knowing that your vulva informs you. And so you need to reconnect with that sensory knowing at a tolerable pace. Judith Herman describes three phases of trauma treatment in order to heal from trauma. Step one, establish relative safety and stability by building your resources. Step two, process traumatic material in a well-paced, regulated manner. Step three, reintegration of new experiences into identity and relationships. So let's break down what each of those steps practically looks like. I'm going to use the example as if you were like one of my participants inside of Money Menstruation and Manifestation, the 28-Day Method, or if you were like one of my clients that I work with inside of my one-on-one Embody Your Wealth coaching practice. I go through each of these steps. I may not overtly describe each of these steps, but working with me in some capacity gets you to work through each one of these steps at a tolerable pace. And noting the word tolerable matters because you want purposeful, ethical, and sustainable wealth. Sustainability is all about working through your relationship with money, improving your relationship with money, expanding your capacity for wealth at a tolerable pace. That's where the sustainability aspect comes into play here is working with the body at a tolerable pace. Because if you move too quickly, you won't have the identity, you won't have the energetic capacity to be able to not only obtain the wealth, but maintain the wealth. So doing so at a tolerable pace matters. So step one, establish relative safety and stability by building your resources. So this is going to look like training your body how to ground itself, training your body how to connect with your somatic experience. 
And your somatic experience is your relationship with yourself, your relationship with other people, your emotions, your beliefs, your values, your energy, all of these faucets of yourself are part of your somatic experience. And it's about being able to witness yourself, witness yourself in these somatic experiences. So this is going to look like doing grounding exercises. One of my favorite grounding exercises that I have been doing lately is called a centering practice. So it from an outsider's perspective, it looks like a standing meditation. And what I do during this centering practice is standing with my posture absolute and I'm focusing on feeling the depth of my forward body, my back body, and my side bodies and in my length. So being able to cultivate depth in all of those directions that energy flows. Some other examples of resources could look like breath work, it could be a yoga practice, it could be meditation, all of these different things that are guiding you to connect with your present somatic experience without shying away from that experience and witnessing yourself in that experience. Being comfortable with discomfort, expanding your window of tolerance for all of the sensations that your body has the capacity to experience. Because if you want to increase your capacity for wealth, if you want to feel purpose and pleasure in the wealth that you accumulate, well, those are all high vibe emotions and everything exists in a duality or in a polarity. So if you want to experience wealth, you have to know what it feels like to experience the discomfort in the expansion because before anything expands, it has to contract. So you have to get comfortable in the discomfort of the contraction before you can catapult yourself forward into the expansion. So building your resources and feeling the sense of safety in your own body's rhythmic integrity. And inside of MMM specifically, this looks like connecting with your menstrual cycle, cultivating safety in the dynamic nature of what it means to be a biological female. And then step two, process traumatic material in a well-paced, regulated manner. Now, it's really important to note that when you are processing trauma, this does not mean reliving it. This does not mean that you have to go back and revisit all of those traumatic memories in order to integrate them into your life. That can be re-traumatizing and can actually set, set you backwards. Healing from trauma does not have to be painful. It can be and probably will be uncomfortable based on what I just previously described, but it doesn't have to be painful. In fact, I kind of already spoke to this, speaking to the idea of being able to witness yourself in discomfort. The reason why you haven't been able to witness yourself in discomfort is because you've been taught that it's unsafe to do so, because your sense of safety has been overridden due to those traumatic experiences. Naturally, humans have the ability to witness themselves in discomfort. 
It's only once we've been taught that it's not to ca- it's not okay to have big emotions. It's not okay to have boundaries. It's not okay to advocate for yourself. That type of environment breeds traumagenic conditions. So it's about coming home to the sensations of your body and slowly but surely being able to witness yourself in the dynamicness of what it means to be human, the expansive and the contractive. Now at some point here, when you've gotten through step one and step two, you're going to find yourself more capable of being able to handle discomfort. You're going to be more capable of combating traumagenic conditions. And it's at this point that you're able to give yourself that new choice. Because step three is reintegration of new experiences into identity and relationships. You get to give your body a new sense of choice. When you're presented with that opportunity to give your body a new sense of choice, you're then able to ground yourself and deny the impulse that there once was for you to go to the hardware store for milk. Instead, you get to ground yourself in the choice of going to the dairy farm for milk because you feel safe enough to give your body an alternate choice to create those new neural pathways, to create those new somatic movement patterns. It becomes a new muscle memory. And this, is, this takes time, right? It takes 300 repetitions to create new muscle memory and 3,000 repetitions to create a new sense of embodiment. It takes time. It happens at a tolerable but sustainable pace. And slowly but surely, you're going to build that sustainable wealth in the process. You're going to keep giving yourself new choices to make that's going to stop you from spending impulsively. And simultaneously, during this whole experience of these three phases of trauma treatment, you are also increasing and expanding upon your inner sense of worth and value. You're cultivating more depth in your sense of worth and value, and you no longer feel the need to superficially inflate your sense of self-worth and value. And you get to give your body the choice to not have to use money as that external tool to superficially inflate your sense of self-worth and value. Instead, you recognize and acknowledge and witness the sense of self-worth and value that already exists within you because you've cultivated it yourself. And it didn't have anything to do with buying material resources or spending money or using money as the tool to move your emotional energy. You've come home to the rhythmic integrity of your body. You've built somatic intelligence that creates a bodily kinesthetic awareness that's going to guide your decision-making process. It's going to heighten your sense of intuition. It's going to enhance your interpersonal relationships and your communication. It's going to enhance and deepen the connection that you feel with yourself and other people. It's going to strengthen your empathy with boundaries. And it's going to inform your trauma resolution and ultimately increase your sense of resilience during traumagenic conditions. So how do you know when you're healed? Well, it's obviously going to show up in your relationship with money because your relationship with money is going to shift. And at first, that shift is probably not going to show up on paper. At first, you know, while you're still navigating this, 
it's probably going to be something that you simply feel. You feel the shift in your relationship with money. But slowly but surely, you're going to find yourself coming out of debt or building a wealth reserve, having more of that sustainable and renewable wealth come into your life. And to be honest, you're probably going to have less clutter, <laughs> less clutter of, you know, and less stuff in your space because you don't feel the need to buy things to inflate your sense of self-worth. I was privileged enough to learn from Stacy K. Haynes inside of my trauma-informed coaching certification, and I love what her take is on how you know when you're healed. She says that transformation is when your actions align with your vision and values even under the same old pressures. So in other words, when you're faced with the same traumagenic conditions, but you're empowered to make a choice with agency under that traumagenic pressure. You no longer feel pressured to use money as a tool to superficially inflate your sense of value and to use money as a tool to move your emotional energy and, and use it as a tool for emotional release. It looks like having integrity. Integrity is about having posture with your morals and values. In my personal experience, at some point when you are healing from trauma, integrating traumatic experiences, at some point you're no longer going to identify with the word healing. Now, what I find to be a very interesting topic is that some people will say that you can never be healed. It's an ongoing process. You're always healing. You're always wounded. But I don't think I do believe that because at some point, those wounds don't hurt you anymore. And instead, you may appropriately identify with or prefer the words, you're training yourself or you're transmuting these wounds. You're training yourself to be a more capable human. You're training yourself to be emotionally intelligent. You're training yourself to connect with your source of your intuition. You're transmuting stuck energy in your body. I find that the word transmuting wounds has more power behind it than healing wounds. Because what that's saying is your trauma is no longer a weapon of the past. It's simply an energy that you're carrying. It's no longer a weapon of the past. Your trauma is no longer something that insecures you, but rather is something that you're, you've transmuted and are continuing to transmute into confidence, into connection. Your trauma is something you no longer feel the need to protect yourself from, and instead you seek connection in spite of your past experiences. I see that when you are still healing from your trauma, when you're still very hurt and wounded by your trauma, there is a chronicness to living in fear. Whereas when you've healed from your trauma and you're at the stage where you're now transmuting energies that are in your body, you no longer live in fear and rather switch to living with situational awareness. 
I think there's a big difference between living in fear and living with situational awareness. So when I look at my own personal childhood trauma, my abuser is someone that is inside of my family. I choose not to have a relationship with this member of my family. It's not because I'm living in fear that this person could potentially re-abuse me or continue to abuse me. That's not a fear of mine, but I have situational awareness of this person that I'm choosing not to subject myself to their energy. And I'm choosing not to subject my family to their energy, not because I'm afraid that they're going to hurt me or I'm afraid that I won't know how to protect myself. It's that I'm choosing to give myself space. I'm choosing to have boundaries around that situation because when I was younger, I wasn't given the choice of boundaries because when I tried to enforce boundaries, they were disregarded and they were disrespected. But I know differently now. And I have that situational awareness. So I'm not living in fear. I'm living with awareness. So what I want you to take away from this episode is that you do have the power to make a choice. If you're feeling stuck in your financial circumstance right now, if you're feeling like what I described earlier about not being able to follow a budget because you're chronically overspending, or if you're an impulse shopper, this does not have to be your forever reality. You have the power to make a choice. You have the power to give your body a new choice. Because you don't have money problems. You have money symptoms. It's about getting to the root of the symptom that's going to radically shift your financial reality. And that power lies in your pussy, boo. Your pussy has so much power. It's just about tapping into it and allowing her to expand into her inherent prosperity, potential, and personal power. Your vulva communicates the safety of your environment. And right now, she's sensing that it doesn't feel safe to want more for yourself. It doesn't feel safe for you to expand into wealth because of the messages that society has been telling you about women that are wealthy about being seen in the identity of a woman who can not only obtain wealth and maintain wealth. She doesn't feel safe receiving because her inherent intelligence has been overridden, but you can transmute that. And if you want extra support on your journey of transmuting your wounds into wealth, I invite you to click the links in this episode and for you to check out MMM or My Embody Your Wealth Coaching. Together, let's guide you back to the safety in the rhythmic integrity of your divine feminine flow. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This has been a true treat and joy for me to share with you. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Each message that I share is enriched with expansive, passionate, and purposeful energy. If you felt awakened to your evolution, please pass on that energy by downloading, subscribing, and sharing on your favorite social platform. Click the links in this episode to enroll in the Wealth Witch freebie library and subscribe to the Wealth Witch email list to receive updates about the podcast and all of my offerings. Be sure to follow at the.wealthwitch on TikTok and Instagram 
for more daily and easily digestible messages that awaken your inherent abundance. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude, and I look forward to sharing more with you in the next episode. That's it for now, boo. Now go make some fucking magic.